The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box. So we have a deal for First Republic. U.S. banks band together for a $30 billion rescue package. This after here in Zurich, we saw the Swiss National Bank step up with a $54 billion lifeline for Credit Suisse. This as both Credit Suisse and UBS continue to insist they both have independent futures. Well, elsewhere, Wall Street rallies with banking stocks posting their best day of the year, putting the S&P 500 on track for its best weekly performance since January. Investor attention, well, turning to how the Federal Reserve will respond to the latest banking turmoil when it meets next week. This after the ECB sticks to its path and hikes rates by 50 basis points. The ECB president, Christine Lagarde, uh, says it is ready to act if called upon. We are monitoring current market tensions closely and stand ready to respond as necessary to preserve price stability and financial stability in the euro area. And protests in Paris and across France as Emmanuel Macron pushes through his controversial pension reform plan without a vote, potentially opening himself up to an immediate vote of no confidence. Good morning, Juliana. Good morning, Jeff in Zurich. Good morning, viewers. What a week you've had so far, and it's not over yet, because did you notice the price action in First Republic? In session and after hours as well. The after hours, bit of an eye-opener for those of you who think, oh, this is just about liquidity. It's just about shoring up confidence. Maybe, ladies and gentlemen, it's also about business models. Business models on both sides of the Atlantic, which despite the vast amount of lending facilities put in place by the Federal Reserve, despite the the show of confidence uh, by the Wall Street banks that acted independently of the Federal Reserve, apparently as well, uh, and put a lot of money into First Republic, First Republic shares after hours continued to decline. What does that tell you uh, about confidence in the market? What does the Credit Suisse price action tell you yesterday? I rallied 32% at the open, but closed only 20% higher, just a a waffer below below that as well, and still lower than where it was uh, over the three-day period as well. So is confidence restored, or is it actually about the rounding of the wagons for now and actually greater problems in the banking sector remaining? Well, let's leave that question open because we're going to debate that over the next three hours. But one thing is for sure that the US markets are back with a vengeance so far in the first four trading days of this week. Week to date, the S&P is up 2.6%. Week to date, the um, Nasdaq is up 5.2%. And that is a massive outperformance compared with their European peers so far because the FTSE, for instance, has lost 4.4%, whereas the Dow is in positive territory. The DAX is down 3%, which is 5.6% lower than the weekly performance uh, of the uh, the S&P. And as I say, the European markets across the board down with the CAC down 2.7% on the week as well. What about the Treasuries? Well, you all flocked 
to safety of the treasuries and that is why we now have a 3.5% yield on the 10-year paper, the two-year at 4.16. But what is the data telling you about the prospects for the Federal Reserve next week? Well, the jobless data looks stunningly strong still. That's a good thing, by the way. We want less people unemployed. But in terms of what people want in terms of interest rates, that is a bad thing for those people who are betting on the Fed being done, or at least only going 25 basis points next week, and then indicating they are done as well. And did you see the other data? Yeah, some of the home permit data was very strong. Backed with a vengeance as well. Uh, 1.450 thousand annual rate as well. Permits jumping 13.8% of the month. That is the highest level since September. So for those of you who are looking at over here at the banking sector and thinking that is going to distract the Federal Reserve, just keep an eye on the data as well. Data is very solid. Dollar crosses. Adam's desperate to get to them. So we will, Adam, we will. The pound, 121. He's my director. I think he's a real person in my ear. Uh, mixing with all those other strange voices. 121.52, sterling, uh, up four tenths of 1%. The dollar losing ground versus the yen as well. And losing ground versus the euro after the lady was not for turning yesterday. Yes, Madame Lagarde raising 50 basis points. Not single-handedly, but leading the pack. Uh, 106.43 on the uh, euro dollar. Dollar yuan trading at 6.87. 22. Let's have a look at the energy prices. Well, you've had a terrible week, you balls in the oil price, haven't you? And I was looking at some data yesterday that says technically you're on a bit of sticky ground. You're on very thin ice this spring, aren't you, as well? Because despite the rally you're seeing here, and it is up eight tenths of 1%, you have had a terrible week if you're one of those people who keeps telling uh, everyone else that you're wrong, that the oil price shouldn't be 68 bucks on WTI. You're wrong. It shouldn't be $75 on Brent. It should be 100 110 and will be with a vengeance. And yet the price still keeps going down. What do you think it's done for the week? WTI down 10% for the week. Brent, down 11% for the week. Pretty grim, eh? Anyway, there's other stories to tell, including European banks. Hello. Morning. Well, as you said, Steve, the European banks and the European markets overall have vastly underperformed their U.S. counterparts over the course of the week. Here's a look for you at the key banking names over the last five days, deeply in the red. Despite the rally that we saw yesterday, that plunge that we saw in the middle of the week at the epicenter of the banking sell-off, when Credit Suisse shares plunged as much as 30%, the banking index dropped 7% that day. And even though we rallied yesterday, it, the rally was not enough to offset at the losses that we've seen week to date. Now, on the topic of Credit Suisse, let's get you a check on how we traded yesterday. The stock ended about 20% higher, just under. Uh, of course, the rally came after news of the SNB stepping in with that liquidity backstop, which Credit Suisse then motioned to immediately take advantage of. It essentially put a floor under the stock. So we're trading above two Swiss francs a share coming into today's session. Uh, taking a look at European markets more broadly, yesterday was a positive session. And what was interesting was the positive momentum built into the close. We did see the banks actually swing between losses and gains in the lead up to the ECB decision and then throughout the press conference. But after the press conference concluded and the market had some time to digest the fact that the ECB had gone for the jumbo option, the 50 basis point rate hike as intended, uh, ultimately led stocks higher. So the CAC 40 over in France actually ended more than 2% higher. The Zetra DAX logged about 1.6% worth of gains. FTSE MIB over in Italy
Italy also caught a bit about 1.4%. A little bit of a lag in the FTSE 100, but still that index ending 0.9% higher. But like we've seen with the banks, this was not enough to get the uh, European market into positive territory for the week. Uh, this is the picture as we head into today. Week to date, seriously steep losses heading into today's session. FTSE MIB in Italy, the worst performer of the bunch, down 5% week to date. Now let's get you a little bit more detail on the European Central Bank. The ECB says it is ready to supply the Eurozone's lenders with emergency liquidity if necessary. This as the bank stuck to its hiking path, despite this week's turmoil in the banking sector, raising rates by another 50 basis points and lifting its key deposit rate to now 3%. ECB President Christine Lagarde insisted the move was justified, saying high inflation remains the key concern, while the bloc's lenders remain well capitalized. The ECB chief said price pressures remain the key risk, but that this week's events in the financial sector could influence decisions at its next governing council meeting. We are not waning on our commitment to fight inflation, and we are determined to return inflation back to 2% target in the medium term. That should not be doubted. The determination is intact, and uh, the, uh, the path at which we will cover the ground, the pace that we will take, will be entirely data dependent. That's what we have always said. And we are saying on this specific occasion that given the level of uncertainty that has been significantly increased as a result of the most recent financial uh, tensions and developments, given that level of uncertainty, it is better to make the decision that we believe is a robust decision with our 50 basis points increase, and then see what the data uh, tell us and what next assessment we make on the basis of that data. Right, well, let's uh, recap on this banking sector, shall we? Cracks in the banking sector, both sides of the Atlantic, began to show on Wednesday last week when the crypto-focused lender at Silvergate over there collapsed amid billions of dollars in outflows. Now, panic saw the US biggest banks lose more than $50 billion in market cap the next day. Before this one, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, failed after an unexpected capital raise shook customer confidence. US authorities stepped in Sunday with a pledge to backstop all deposits uh, at the bank as well. And that goes on. We can talk a little bit more in a bit about what's going on overnight in the last couple of days about uh, First Republic as well, because it's interesting in the lending facilities being put forward by the Fed. A huge amount of money for a crisis that doesn't exist in some people's eyes. HSBC staged its own rescue hours later, um, buying SVB's UK arm for £1 to save it from insolvency. If you haven't seen our interview with the HSBC UK head, Ian Stewart, that Karen and I conducted yesterday morning at 6.30, have a look at the tape. It's absolutely fascinating. This is a man who went to bed on Friday night thinking, I'll just hang out with the kids maybe, I'll go for a run, whatever. Saturday morning, woke up and he's suddenly in a bid situation in which they conducted a due diligence on a massive bank, SVB UK, in five hours. Can you imagine that? I can't. Tension then turned to Credit Suisse on Tuesday after it flagged material weaknesses. Material weaknesses from a bank of Credit Suisse's size. With the number of auditors, the number of internal regulators and, 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 and risk departments, but yet they can suddenly flag material weaknesses. 
Talk about shooting yourself in the foot. And those people blame, I know people out there are blaming the media. They're blaming the Twitterati as well. But if you have material weaknesses, you are giving the fuel to those people in your financial reporting. Uh, before its top investor reaffirmed it wouldn't provide any more financial assistance in the day. This is an investor, Credit Suisse's major investor, Saudi, which only got in at around about four Swissy. Now they're trying to shore up their position at two Swissy a, a month or so later. It just is mind-boggling. The Qataris own about 7% as well. I haven't heard too much from them. Anyway, it began a sell-off which saw shares plummet as much as 30% to new record lows. Now the, the Swiss bank, uh, National Bank, has stepped in, offering the embattled lender 54 billion bucks, 50 billion Swiss francs line. But, but it, it's not over. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Have a look at the debt. Have a look at the credit default swaps. Have a look at what Jeff's saying in Switzerland, because this man has been on this story for years, interviewing various CDOs. We, we, we go back to Brady Dugan and beyond on this channel, looking at the slow, steady demise uh, of Credit Suisse as well. And have a look at the actual price action. And very interesting to see, despite the shoring up, Huge questions being raised. Huge questions, Juliana. Huge questions indeed, Steve. And there's huge questions all over the banking sector as you just ran through some of the key highlights, if we can call them that, of the last week. Now, a group of major U.S. banks have agreed to pool $30 billion to help rescue First Republic Bank. The lenders, which include Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and J.P. Morgan Chase, said the move was a sign of confidence in the lender and the wider banking sector. First Republic Bank shares have sunk in recent days, prompted by the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Now, Credit Suisse shares closed higher after the bank said it will borrow up to 50 billion francs from the Swiss National Bank, helping to calm the banking sector. But the lender's dollar bond sank deeper into negative territory as investors continued to worry over the bank's future as well as wider contagion. Swiss government officials reportedly met with regulators and central bank authorities to discuss what's next for the bank. Let's get out to Jeff. As Steve said, he is standing by for us in Switzerland. Um, Jeff, uh, looking through the last 24 hours and the stories that have come through, a lifeline given to Credit Suisse and now a lifeline to First Republic in the United States. But those lifelines have come from very different sources. In the case of Credit Suisse, it had to come from the Swiss National Bank, whereas there's a lot of confidence, it seems, in First Republic. How do you put these two stories side by side? Well, well, let me separate them out, I think, for a moment here. I mean, I think the only thing that really unites them is that we've seen action ultimately taken, Juliana. And I think the, uh, the banks and the wider financial community are just pleased to see some support at this stage for these banks. Because, quite frankly, uh, I think we all understand that the ultra-low monetary conditions that we've seen over the last decade or so have led to misallocation of capital. And now as conditions are tightening and we are recognizing that mismatch in allocation at different interest rates, we're now beginning to see the pain felt as market conditions tighten. So the banks that we're talking about here may be the first to hit the headlines in this tightening sequence, but we all, I think, understand that they won't be the last and we will continue to report on troubled lenders in the financial system over the next few months or so. Let me just focus on Credit Suisse. I mean, we're always popular here. CNBC is always popular in Zurich. It's one of those places where people watch and they come up to you and they say hi. But yesterday, I have to say, we broke records. Uh, and I even had a, a postman come up to me and uh, shaking his head, pointing at Credit Suisse in Parada Platz and saying, I guess you're here for this story. 
and it tells you an awful lot about how deeply felt this problem at Credit Suisse is in the wider community here, not just in the financial community, because of course Credit Suisse, 160 plus year old bank here in Switzerland, a Swiss domestic bank. A lot of people here have money on deposit with Credit Suisse. So the immediate crisis on the announcement from the SNB may be over, but the final chapter on this story is a long way from being written here. And while Credit Suisse came out yesterday and said, look, our liquidity coverage ratio didn't change up to March the 14th, it remains at that 150%. I think everybody understands that there are pressures now politically here for further action and the restructuring program at the moment the management is undertaking doesn't seem to be cutting the mustard. So what next here? You can barely talk to a financial analyst here who won't tell you that they think ultimately there will be a sale of some parts to UBS. It's just a question of the price and it's just a question of uh, what support is given from the central bank and the regulators to make that happen. Now both of these banks continue to say through the last 24 hours that is not something they're actively interested in seeing. But as we all know, on this channel. It's only a question of the price and that price may ultimately get decided down the road here because don't forget it is an election year here in Switzerland. We do get federal elections in October and the one thing the politicians hate is an embarrassing international story that puts the wrong spotlight back on Zurich and back on Switzerland. So they've taken the money, they've got the credit line but undoubtedly there will continue to be political reverberations from that here in Zurich. Brilliant. Jeff, stay with us because we've got um, a terrific guest coming up in a couple of moments. I know you're going to want to get involved. Thank you for that. Uh, The Fed says financial institutions are taking advantage of the central bank's crisis lending program, taking nearly $12 billion in short-term loans this week. The facility offers banks one-year loans in exchange for high-quality collateral. Uh, Barry Norris is the CEO of Argono Capital. Uh, Barry, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Look, let me get this straight. You were short SVB and Signature for six months prior to last week's news. So you've been on the ball on this story. You've been very sceptical of the strength of these financial institutions. Um, First question I should ask you is, do you still have shorts remaining in the US banking sector? Uh, well, we still have positions in uh, in Signature and uh, an SVB because there's no trading in the, those banks yet, even though the, the the share prices have been marked to zeros. Um, and we also have, I would say, if you like, a, a, a basket of uh, banks that we think are still vulnerable to what's going on in markets at the moment. Barry, I had a, a strenuous debate just now off camera with my wonderful colleague, Juliana. She was saying the, the vote of confidence in, in First Republic from these other banks. Personally, I, I, I was slightly more sceptical. I think actually it's a rounding of the wagons. It's trying to create a fire break between other banks. Uh, and maybe perhaps it was inaugurated with the Fed's very, very fulsome backing as well. Barry, do you think it's a vote of confidence in First Republic or are you still deeply sceptical uh, on some of these regional banks? Well, I, th- I think look, thirty billion of deposits is a is a small amount of funding for a, for a bank that has got a far uh, bigger balance sheet uh, and what one of the biggest balance sheets it, 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 in the in the mid bank uh, sector. So I think that we'll see more uh, funding for First Republic going forward. Um, and I, I, and I think 
the problem that First Republic has is similar to that that Silicon Valley had in that it's got uh, a balance sheet with illiquid assets that 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 haven't been marked to market and they've obviously now got a fairly shaky uh deposit base which which will struggle to fund those assets so the problem is that when you lose your deposit base you have to unwind the assets that if they're uh loss making in terms of mark to market that leads to losses for for shareholders Barry, good morning uh, from Zurich. I understand you also had a short position in Credit Suisse. What are you doing with that position? Have you closed it in the light of the lifeline given by the SNB? No, we're, we're, we're holding on to the position. I think the, the issue with Credit Suisse is obviously in the, in the fourth quarter of last year, it lost 38% of its deposits in just one quarter. And uh, the whole bank is in a is it a wind down essentially and whether that wind down is orderly or disorderly is the the debate at the moment none of which mm. though creates value for shareholders in my opinion Barry when you look at what's happened at Credit Suisse uh, do you are, are you confident that it is an idiosyncratic issue or are there other European banks uh, that you are looking at that could turn up as as a big risk as well well, I think Credit Suisse is the outlier just in terms of its unstable funding from its depositors. There's no other bank that has had the deposit outflows at Credit Suisse. And I think what the market is concerned about is how those deposit outflows will have accelerated in recent weeks. And therefore, can the bank meet redemptions of deposits with cash? And I think that's where the the bailout from the uh, SMB is is helpful in the short term, but still obviously is a question of of keeping the the show on the road rather than creating value for shareholders. I think in terms of the wider European banking sector, uh, there will be different problems if Credit Suisse fails, and I think the size of Credit Suisse is the issue here compared to the U.S. banks that we're talking about, and that it has a five hundred billion. Swiss franc balance sheet, which is twice the size of Lehman Brothers when it fails and therefore is a systematically important bank. So I, I, I think in Europe, the battleground is, is Credit Suisse. But if, if, if Credit Suisse has to unwind its balance sheet in a disorderly way, those problems are going to spread to other financial institutions in, uh, in Europe as well. And also beyond the banking sector, particularly, I think, into commercial property and uh, private equity, which also look to me to be vulnerable from what's going on in financial markets at the moment. Barry, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts this morning. Barry Norris, CEO of Argonaut Capital. Coming up on the show, Emmanuel Macron gambles his presidency as he pushes through his controversial pension reform. We'll discuss more next. Oh, on the podcast. Oh, on the podcast. For more on ECB decision as well as the latest market action, you have to. You have to check out the Scorebox podcast, available at all good podcast retailers. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts.
On ne peut pas faire de paris sur l'avenir de nos retraites. Cette réforme est nécessaire. Aussi, parce que je suis attachée à notre modèle social et parce que je crois dans la démocratie parlementaire, c'est sur votre réforme, sur le texte du Parlement, fruit d'un compromis entre les deux assemblées, que je suis prête à engager ma responsabilité. Aussi, sur le fondement de l'article 49 alinéa 3 de la Constitution, j'engage la responsabilité de mon gouvernement sur l'ensemble du projet de loi de financement rectificatif de la Sécurité sociale pour 2023, modifié par l'amendement de coordination communiqué à l'Assemblée nationale. Oh, born there. I mean, she kept her, she kept the look, didn't she? Hell, there's amazing stuff going on in France. And that was the scenes of the French Parliament yesterday afternoon where lawmakers, opposition lawmakers, did you hear it? The Marseillais, they sang the national anthem. They walked out. This after Elisabeth Bourne, the Prime Minister, announced the government is going to force its controversial pension reform bill through. No vote. Without a vote. Now, the protests were huge across the country. You heard her there saying uh, Article 49.3 uh, of the French Constitution enabling Macron's government to implement one of its flagship policies without a bruising uh, parliamentary defeat. I mean, it's fascinating. There's, you know, there's going to be a confidence vote now, I tell you. Uh, right to call an immediate vote of no confidence. Uh, Charlotte tells me it's going to be on Monday. She's going to tell you in a minute. That's exactly the same thing. Uh, more uncertainty on the issue, which has seen the government rattled, the country rattled by months of progress, uh, of, of reports. Charlotte, it reminds me of Napoleon in 1799. You know what he did, because you know your French history better than anyone. He got rid of the directory, ripped up the directory, and he brought in the concept, which was pretty much him uh, as the emperor as well. well. Macron can't do the same, but, but, no. it, but I'm sure the analogies have been made in, in France about perhaps a man or a person ripping aside the, the parliamentary democracy. Look, you've seen the scenes in National Assembly and you were talking, comparing to Westminster. Normally it's much more tame in National <laughs> Assembly, but not this time. And it hasn't been like that. Oh and it's God. been this the kind of scene. The meant for this. Yeah, and you've had this scene since the introduction of that pension reform bill. It's been extremely contentious. And look, this 49.3 mechanism, to put in perspective, it's been used a hundred times since 1958. Yeah, but not on this. Okay, what does the thing? The government really wanted a vote. None of them did it on pensions. No. And that's why the government really, really wanted to vote on this, because they knew how contentious it would be, they knew the reaction would be. So they really tried until the end, they tried some uh, uh, some concessions with Les Républicains in particular, the centre-right party. They really tried to get it through. They didn't want to use the 49.3, but they realised they just didn't have the votes in the chamber. So they decided to just pull the trigger on it. Did you say and go back one step? This is all a product of what you talked about at the presidential and then the parliamentary elections, where he won the presidential elections, yep. but you said at the time he didn't control the parliament, and this is where the seeds were sown for this that happened yesterday. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'll come to this just a little bit later, but look, this scene and this trigger of 43 also triggered some spontaneous protests in the street. And again, very unusual. It was in Paris, in the Place de la Concorde. It's just between the National Assembly and the Elysee. They set fire to a few bins. You see on the, on the picture, see bins that were piling up in Paris because of the strikes that hadn't been collected for days and days. So easy to set them on fire. So it's a pocket of this discontent, but still very reflective of how contentious this issue is. And there's really this feeling that now we're entering a new phase because up until now, we have days. How many have been sitting around this desk? About 
about the day of protests and strikes, but they've been very controlled. There's been no, no uh, scenes like that up until now because the unions have really wanted to control the movement. But now there's a feeling it is a new phase because of these moves by the government. So what happens now? So as you said, a vote of no confidence. One has been tabled already. We expect a couple more to come today. They have 24 hours, the opposition, to put it on the table. In theory, the government should be okay. Because the majority vote for the motion, then uh, the government will fall. In theory, they, they should be okay. Les Républicains, again, those key center-right MPs uh, that the government, the majority, uh, rely on, they said they won't add chaos to the chaos. So they said they will not vote against the government. But the government was relying on these Les Républicains MPs to get their reform through. The Républicains always been in favor of a pension reform. They didn't support this one, whether some of them were against this specific reform, some just paying party politics, you know, that they just didn't want to hand that victory to Emmanuel Macron. It's been a totemic reform for the reformist president that wasn't so reformist since he lost his majority. It's been a hugely symbolic one. It's a crisis of authority for the president, even though using the count of trois is not unusual. But on this specific issue, it had been a personal uh, issue for the president and a totemic one, and it has it, it looks like it's, it's a failure because it's, it could be voted through, but it's certainly a political crisis now because uh, the president looks like uh, he has a lack of authority and we don't know what that means for the next three years of his government. It's interesting to even frame it as a potential victory for Macron if he gets this through because the public are against it. He is now facing this immediate vote of no confidence. What is motivating him? What is Macron's end game? And why is this considered a victory if it is so unpopular? Obviously, the merits of pushing this through from yeah. a fiscal perspective are clear, but if the whole country is against it, is it really a victory? And that's really the, the, the political issue here, that he's in minority in the public opinion, that consistent across the board, 70% of people are against this reform, minority in the National Assembly, that's been voted uh, recently, the unions, they're rarely all on the same page. They are all on the same page on this issue. So he's in, in minority in all of this. And again, he has pictured himself as the reformist president. He was keen to to the market that yes, there's been there's some fiscal issues in France, but he's still reforming, he's still being careful of finance, strongly believing that also the system needs to be balanced. But it's not an emergency problem. That's why a lot of the unions, even some that wanted to reform the pension reform at some point, say it's not an emergency issue. It doesn't need to be brutal, it doesn't need to be done now, it doesn't need to right. be done in a rushed way. And so he didn't have anyone on board, but his own MPs, and even some of his MPs right. were not on board with this reform. So there's a sense that it hasn't been done properly, it hasn't been communicated properly. And now, well, there's a new day of protest on Thursday, and certainly it's a new phase because now it's protest not against a, a law that's been negotiated and debated, it's against a law potentially that has been passed. So it's mm. certainly a very different phase now. now. I suppose the generous view is this is almost a sacrifice for the future that Macron is making. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.